listeners, welcome to the All About Animals show. My name is Nikita Dewan, and today I'm so honored and excited to be talking to Panchali Panau. She is a co-founder and director of RARE, the Rally for Animal Rights and the Environment, which is an organization that fights for animal welfare and empowerment and is based in Sri Lanka. They have educational, social, and legislative initiatives, especially on captive and abused elephants. Thank you so much for joining today, Panchali. How are you? Thank you very much for having me here, Nikita. Um, I'm doing great. I'm happy to be here. Great. Yeah, no, thank you for um, agreeing to the interview. I'm really looking forward to it. And um, can you just briefly start by telling us uh, how you personally became involved in animal welfare? Well, um, my history in uh, advocacy is uh, pretty short, actually. Um, I was... um, I was a banker, Uh, that was my career. And uh, till 2014, I was very much uh, doing only banking and I was uh, focused on my career. Then in 2014, I moved back to Sri Lanka. I was uh, in Dubai before that. And then since, um, since childhood, of course, my family were animal lovers. We always had pets. And we were against captivity and we were always for freedom for animals. Um, And then I always believed in equality and justice for everyone, not just animals, but humans and animals both. But I had not considered uh, joining advocacy for animals. While I was working, of course, I was following campaigns uh, on social media with the emergence of social media after 2008. Um, But then um, since I was more focused on the career, I didn't see the importance of me being actively involved in advocacy. But then in 2015, since uh, I returned back to Sri Lanka, uh, I volunteered um, for every little thing, like even for street dog welfare, I went for protests, I went for lectures. and, And then with 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 that exposure and making a network and networking with uh, advocates and environmentalists in Sri Lanka, I understood that animals needed my voice more than you know building a corporate career. So little by little, I uh, you know I, I started uh, uh, my concentration on that this field. So basically, my active advocacy started since two thousand fifteen. Speaking of, you know, organizations, uh, can you tell us about the one you co-founded, the Rally for Animal Rights and the Environment? What is its vision and what kind of campaigns do you run? We um, started RARE in 2019, uh, accidentally, actually. Uh, I had not planned on starting an organization, but uh, I was uh, together with uh, prominent environmentalists and activists in Sri Lanka, we wanted to have a rally for all animals, not just wild or captive, but domesticated animals, farm animals, for all the animals, because we don't have an animal welfare, we don't have an updated set of animal welfare laws in Sri Lanka. And so with that in mind, we wanted to do a rally in 2019. But unfortunately, because of the terrorist attack in April 2019, we had to cancel it. So I was uh, admin of the Twitter, Facebook and uh, Instagram pages. Of course, there was no following um, in those pages because we had not basically launched them. But we had uh, prepared graphics and, you know, the the setup was there. And then um, I asked everybody all my senior activists, whether, um, you know, whether I could use them to, as a platform for animal rights in Sri Lanka, because uh, uh, till 2019, most of the organizations in Sri Lanka were for conservation of wild animals and welfare of domesticated animals like dogs and cats. There was no, uh, there were no, uh, I mean, there were small groups, but there was no uh, established uh, social media platform or movement for animal rights. So seeing that void, everybody agreed that I should um, do these pages. So then little by little, we built the Facebook page and then the Instagram and Twitter. 
And then we did a lot of campaigns. And then with these campaigns coming into prominence, we had a lot of responsibilities thrust on us, actually. Right. And we got invited from by the government to take part in uh, discussions and negotiations and all that. And then the need to register happened. So finally, we registered it as an association. So uh, and we wanted an action group that would be there when something bad happens to an animal and to do it with strength, you know, and and to get all of Sri Lanka and all the and the international community together to speak for these animals and especially the captive elephants. So that is how RARE started. And we focus on animal rights. We focus on autonomy for animals. And we have uh, three, that's our vision. And uh, we have three objectives. That's um, ending the captive elephant industry in Sri Lanka, right? Because we have, we don't, we don't have a very, um, we are not, the numbers in Sri Lanka are not as large as say in India or Thailand. We have only about 100 working elephants and another 100 in the zoo system, mm. right? So, so I think ending the industry is not a difficult thing as long as we do it focused. So, our objective is, one of our objectives is to end the captive elephant industry in Sri Lanka. And then definitely conservation of our wild elephant population, because we have one of the worst human elephant conflicts in the world. And as I said, there are no laws. I mean, we have the laws that we have on animal welfare is from 1901. Sorry, uh, you cut off there. Can you repeat? Uh yourself yeah so the third objective of rare is for the constitution of sri lanka to recognize the sentientness and rights of animals mm, yeah i think i remember reading about how um uh, the human uh elephant conflict in sri lanka because it has a pretty a very high density of elephants and um I like that. I like the use of the word autonomy. I think that's uh, very empowering. So um, uh, that's pretty interesting about your vision. Um, and uh, you mentioned that your team is comprises of like environmental activists or, you know, just specialists. Uh, can you elaborate more on how your team is structured and what's the composition of it? Yeah, um, we are um, we are registered as an association, like a nonprofit association in Sri Lanka. And we are two directors, uh, that's myself and Mahesh Nanaikara. She is also a very uh, veteran uh, animal welfareist. And we have, um, we have uh, senior um, animal rights activists and welfareists advising us. Uh, we have Mano Javirakkodi, um, who is also a coordinator. And we have a network of volunteers. Um, Sri Lankan and non-Sri Lankan both. Some of them work online with us and some of them work um, uh, on the ground. And we have uh, our, our volunteer network is uh, divided into different groups like we have a content creation group. We have, um, we have groups for different projects. We have, uh, we have a group for graphics and then we have like for each project we have a group a group of volunteers that support us and um, uh, about our work um, you know there's there are three uh, like three uh, action there's an action plan of we call them the three e's of ad, rare advocacy right so we go on expose educate and evolve that is, we expose the reality to the to the people, and through that, through exposing that, we show the reality because we don't want to sugarcoat it or we don't want to save anybody or you know we don't want to hide it from the people. We show them the truth, and then through that, we try to educate people. We educate the people. We, we try to educate on what is right, what is wrong. 
and how it can be done right, right? And then through this, we, we try to uh, change the attitudes of the people that, you know, their animals are not objects and this is the situation of our elephant population, this is the situation of our dog, or this is the situation of our captive elephant. And through that, we feel that if we tell the people the truth on a scientific manner, as well as an emotional manner, uh, then that way we can change the attitudes of the people. And then when the attitudes change, uh, evolve, you know, we find, we, we find the, we would find the population evolved and that would get us results. The change would happen automatically if the attitudes of the people change. So those are like our action plans, our action points rather. Yeah, I think um, a lot of the campaigns you do reflect that very well. Uh, you have a lot of social and educational campaigns, um, but there's also like so much action and, uh, you know, tangible work that you do. For example, you lobby against governments and call for new laws. Um, and you said, you know, there's a focus, there is a focus on elephants in your work. So uh, one of them was abused elephants. So uh, can you just tell us about one of the cases, uh, Wishwa, who was yeah. in 2020, the most abused elephant in Sri Lanka, how and like how you fought for him? Yes, uh, Vishwa's case is very um, sad, because uh, till, say, t even, even till 2019, there was even a belief among um, conservationists in Sri Lanka that um, taking elephants from Pinnavala or captive breeding and keeping them in captivity is okay. And they thought that that was less cruel. But Vishwa was an elephant that was born in Pinnavala. His mother is still there in Pinnavala. And uh, he was gifted uh, to a temple um, to a to a to a to a Buddhist clan called the Ramana Nikaya, and although he was gifted to the temple, the um, the Pinnavala authorities, when they were delivering, the temple had asked them to deliver him directly to a park where they offered him, uh, where they they offered elephant rides on him, right? So this was a very good, uh, like a very clear. Um, example of corruption and misuse and cruelty all together, right? So because normally in Sri Lanka, uh, elephants are gifted, they say that elephants are gifted only for cultural purposes, which is also wrong. But then this elephant was directly uh, delivered to a pup that gives elephant rights. So, um, so there itself you have corruption, right? And yeah. then um, probably there would have been, um, you know, bribes or other things involved, but we don't know any, we don't have any evidence to prove all that. So the elephant was uh, delivered there and he had one of the worst mahouts possible. He mm -hmm. was under so much abuse and he was giving continuous rides there. And uh, even the captive elephant industry uh, understood this. There, were, there, are, there, there are certain pro-captive elephant social media groups and action groups, but even they felt that this was wrong because, because the elephant never went to the temple either. Yeah. So um, there were a lot of compa complaints uh, about Vishwa and uh, the government uh, didn't take any uh, proper strict action. They were only warning the temple then at some point, uh, the temple took him back to the temple, but the abuse never stopped, right? And then in 2020, February, we received an anonymous video of Vishwa being beaten so badly. It's not that he wasn't even, uh, uh, you know, aggressive or, I mean, I mean, of course, there is no reason to beat an elephant, but then uh, the... Uh, I don't know whether you saw it, Nikita. It was just terrible. The Mahouts were just acting very sadistically. You know, like there was one Mahout on his um, head 
just beating his head and Vishu was shouting. And then when we uh, posted this on our Facebook, it was caught even by the international media and international activists and yeah. it, um, it went viral. But even then, that was not enough for the Sri Lankan authorities to take Vishwa back. Then, but then we created a campaign. We were continuously campaigning for his rescue. Because in Sri Lanka, it's not very easy to go and take an elephant from a temple, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but this elephant was actually given by Pinnavala uh, orphanage authorities. So Pinnavala Elephant Orphanage still had a say about this act. So, um, so then a few months later, in uh, when the Candy Asala Perahara, the annual Candy Asala Perahara for 2020 was happening, Vishwa showed a lot of stress. There was he was showing stereotyping, and it was very obvious that he was under a lot of abuse. And on the last day, um, the Mahut lost control of Vishwa, and he had taken Vishwa out of the Perahara. And while they were just waiting away from the Perahara, he was caught uh, bullhooking uh, Vishwa's face continuously. Oh. And we we received that video also. It was, I mean, it's really awesome that both these videos were sent to us anonymously. Mm. And uh, we still don't know who took them. And then so we used that. We used them. Then a lot of international activists joined us in this campaign. Um, especially Anika Slim from um, uh, Free the Wild also um, helped right. us. We did a very strong, um, we did a lot of action campaigns where we commented, we wrote letters, we gave calls. And at the time, thank thankfully, there was a very strong um, director general of the zoo department. I, I don't think we would have found success if she wasn't there. So she took immediate action and she uh, confiscated uh, Vishwa back. And now Vishwa is there at Ridhyagam Safari Park. It's not the best of conditions for an elephant, but it's the better conditions in Sri Lanka. It's also a zoo. It's a safari park, but it's a open uh, zoo. It's not like a caged zoo. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, so at least he's not being abused continuously and he's not being worked there. So he's just retired there now. Mm, yeah, I think that firstly, his case sounds, I mean, uh, just you describing how he was being beaten, that's very heartbreaking. Um, I think that, like, again, no matter where he went, you know, whether it was um, the temple or the park there's still you know abuse under any of those embellishments of you know culture or um education or just any uh, label you put on it so and I think that um it's definitely a better at least he's living you know a better life right now so I think that was um um your organization and um the support really made a big difference um another one another case that I found interesting was the lawsuit uh against uh you know the injured captive elephant colina can you just explain how that unfolded i think it was in 2019 to 20. yes actually i think in the as as far as i know in the history of sri lanka only these two elephants were confiscated from the government from the by the government from the temples because mm. previously previously the elephants were never confiscated and they died right so in 2018, um, Kalana was in Mass and he, his chains had not been changed. And the chains had uh, cut through the skin. And I think there was even a bit of growth over the chains, right? And, um, and it was septic. It was just, it was a terrible wound on the ankle. And, you know, for, a cap, for an elephant, an injured ankle could be fatal. And uh, many people, uh, this uh, uh, the temple was uh, a Vishnu temple called the Dondra uh, Sri Vishnu Devale. It's, it's, it's like a, a Buddhist plus uh, Vishnu temple. Mm. So um, they, they had two elephants. One was uh, Lasada, the female, and Kalana was the male. 
So uh, it was a it was a very uh, bad case of negligence. And at the time, there was a very strong uh, deputy minister in the wildlife uh, department, wildlife ministry. And when uh, this went on national TV, his abuse went on national TV. Uh, the minister went himself, and he he was very strong. He you know he didn't entertain any any interference by culture or powerful people. Mm-hmm. He went and he brought the elephant. He took he confiscated the elephant, and there was a court case going. But later on, um, you know, Sri Lanka has so much of instability in politics that the 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 minister's uh, portfolio changed and in end of 2019 we we understood that the court case was not going well because when the court when the the temple requested for the elephant back and the department uh, of zoos agreed to give the elephant subject to the temple paying them the cost of treatment so, yeah. so the it was like on the last day of the case, so it was terrible. And then the court was like, okay. so the decision was that when if the temple pays, Kalana would be released back to the abuser. So we had to make a very fast and quick uh, intervention there. We didn't. I remember we didn't. We, we, we didn't even have a month, or we had a few days only. So we had to draft a petition, we had to find the petitioners and we hurried up and we filed an, uh, a fundamental rights case in the Court of Appeals because uh, uh, it was a writ. Because, uh, you know, because elephants are considered public property in Sri Lanka and this elephant was an elephant given from Pinnavala. Uh, only thing is, Animals should not be considered as properties at all. But then this was even a violation of that, you know, abuse of public property. So we uh, filed a writ in the appeals court. Then I remember this was on a Tuesday. Then the appeal court uh, gave a stay stay order where um, uh, asking for not releasing the elephant till our court case is settled. We had to take that to a court on Wednesday morning in a different province. So we had to run and we had to intervene in a case where, the, you know, our lawyers from Colombo went there because the lawyers in that province did not even want to get us a copy of the file due to the strength of the temper. Or maybe they were scared that, you know, people think that if they go against temple gods will be angry with them or whatever so that was the case so somehow we stopped that and finally uh, after months of uh, hearing the case the uh, zoo department uh, requested for a settlement with us and uh, they reversed their um, them giving the option of returning him and uh, they promised that they will keep Kalana in a retired state in Ridinam Safari Park and um, so that's it. I mean, we, we were able to stop that. So both Vishwan Kalana and now at Ridhyagam Safari Park. I mean, it's not like the case of Kavan or, you know, other elephants that have received sanctuary in good places around the world. But this is the, the best conditions we can offer to an elephant in Sri Lanka. Right. And um, I mean, I'm not aware are there any other sanctuaries in sri lanka or is this uh, this this safari park the main um, that's the sad part we don't have we don't have sanctuaries in sri lanka i think till these incidents happen no one considered that elephants could be retired Mm -hmm. so we have uh, elephants in uh, four establishments under the government that is the behivala zoo we have the Pinnavala Elephant Orphanage that houses the largest herd of captive elephants in the world, in the Asian elephants in the world. And then, because they have about uh, close to uh, about 90 elephants, no, now it's 76 elephants there. And then you have Ribegam Safari Park, which is also under the zoo department. 
So other than that, all the other elephants are under temples and private owners. And they are all being worked in paraharas and uh, other illegal activities. Only cultural activities are legal in Sri Lanka. So it, any commercial activities uh, taken from any elephants being worked in any commercial activities is illegal, but somehow they managed to do it. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's the condition. So this re re this requirement of having a retirement sanctuary uh, had, you know, probably not crossed the minds of um, Sri Lankans before, but now that need is there. So let's see how what the future holds. Right, and um, you mentioned that uh, there was like this this example you given also for um, Wishwa and um, there's examples of corruption and you know inconsistency and in following the law even if it's not uh, for using elephants culturally so that kind of brings me to my next uh, point of, about smuggling of elephants so I was wondering what are some of the loopholes in Sri Lanka's or the government's regulations regarding elephant smuggling uh, for example, why are calves, you know, taken from the wild when I when you know it's illegal to capture elephants? Hmm. Yes. Now, uh, the the worst cases of uh, elephant smuggling happened from two thousand nineteen two thousand nine to two thousand fourteen. Uh, about the research says that about eighty elephants were captured, baby elephants. And uh, only um, 42 of them have survived. So all the others have uh, died in the process, is what is what the research says. So more than actually loopholes in laws, Sri Lankan conservation laws are not so bad, right? Uh, I mean, we feel that it's not enough. But then if you compare with other countries, our conservation laws, our wildlife laws, are not bad but the problem is that there is again a lot of corruption a lot of bribery and there is inefficiencies and you know that care towards animals on an emotional level is lacking so that is how these uh, uh, the, these smugglings happen and definitely the the number one problem is political interference Okay. Uh, and coercion from the top on the public on the on the Department of Wildlife Conservation and and certain employees of Wildlife Conservation Department were also accused of aiding elephant smuggling, but but even the most uh, even uh, even the most even the presidents and prime ministers of the country uh, are you know are keeping very good associations with these smugglers so and then you know it's obvious that um, so which is why it was which is why the industry the cap the smuggling industry was thriving then in 2015 due to political change uh these uh, about uh, 39 baby elephants were confiscated one of them died in the custody of uh, wildlife department, so there were thirty-eight uh, elephant um, cubs, uh, elephant calves, uh, in the custody of the uh, government. But then, but then, uh, even since two thousand nineteen, there was a strong effort by the government to pardon the smugglers and return these baby elephants back to them. Because the owners, because the people that have bought these elephants were Buddhist monks, like famous, powerful Buddhist monks, famous, powerful politicians, and powerful businessmen, very rich people. They have they have paid in millions, right? One elephant, um, the cheapest elephant baby was about 20 million rupees. This was like a... a half a billion rupee uh, transaction like a you know deal and maybe elephants were given as bribes 
even there was even a judge a magistrate accused of elephant smuggling like keeping an elephant an illegal elephant in his possession he was of course acquitted right so yeah. but then this was the case so um, so the investigations later on because of this political influence slowed down and there were other uh, political decisions taken to give these elephants back so do you want me to tell you about the court case also now or? yeah sure that would be great so what happened was in 2021 um august the government uh, no in um, 2021 march the government uh, published a cabinet paper um uh, asking the courts to uh, to uh, hurry up these cases and kind of like withdraw the cases so this was even a violation of our constitution and our fundamental rights because sri lankan uh, like you know the sri lanka is governed by an executive president you have the legislature and the judiciary so right. here the executive and the legislature was asking was coercing or pressurizing the judiciary or influencing the judiciary on their actions so in march we went to courts against this this cabinet paper but although there was a there our case was in supreme court the government went ahead illegally because i mean that's what we feel that it is illegal it's a violation of our fundamental rights they went on acting on this cabinet paper and they gazetted a set of regulations these three regulations consisted of uh, elephant registration some welfare regulations for captive elephants and on how to gift elephants mm. so all these were made not for the benefit of elephants but for exploiting elephants more and even uh, all the riding and logging were illegal in sri lanka till to 2021 this document was legalizing riding and uh commercial use of elephants so we have we went to courts on that as well but then it it was there was not enough time for us to take action on it so because it was covid and the, co- the courts were closing down so they started releasing these baby elephants illegally acting on that regulation uh so we are now in the process we have two court cases going on in the supreme court and in the appeals court this case is not fought alone by rare we are uh, uh supported by center for environment justice and and the uh, and a group of conservation the conservation community and animal rights advocacy animal welfare as, as a whole community we are uh, fighting against this in courts right now this is about 38 elephants um, future but most of now now most of them are with these with are back with the illegal owners and smugglers but the court has uh, uh, has uh, not allowed registration of these elephants so we will know very soon on what's going to happen whether we, whether the gov- whether the court will uh, stop their registration and take the elephants back or whether the court will give them back I think uh it's new I didn't realize there was uh this degree of political interference or influence on animal protection I've definitely seen uh you know some some level of interference in India um but I feel like um the examples you've given it's they're very intertwined especially with um you know the bribery and corruption you mentioned which you know makes fighting for um it more challenging and i'm also guessing it's there's just not enough implementation and tracking of it currently which is yeah. an issue with wildlife trade in general as well and it just lends to elephants becoming um a token or a prop for politics um you know for bribes and gifts and um specifically for gifts i wanted to ask um 
are elephants commonly used as gifts in Sri Lanka? And I think you, I think Brer had a social media campaign um, against the elephant in the Sri Lankan um, army as a mascot. Uh, like, how did, how did that go? Yes, I think since the, uh, since uh, winning independence, uh, Sri Lanka had been having something called the independence parade. There, um, two elephants are being used. One is um, an elephant from the police and one is an elephant from the army. The army has a regiment called the Gajaba Regiment or the Elephant Regiment because uh, during ancient times, Sri Lankan kings fought on elephants. So this, um, this regiment was named uh, probably like a descendant of that and it was called the Elephant Regiment. So, uh, they, are mas- so they were using... Uh, a live elephant as a mascot and the cruelest thing is that they would only take baby elephants and they would return this elephant back um, when it's not a baby anymore at, at, uh, when they're about 10 years they give the elephant back and they kept um, they took uh, they take another new elephant and uh, uh, people were so blind that not these elephants were not always elephants taken from captivity uh, we have um, Elephant Transit Home, which is a rehabilitation center for wild elephant babies, where wild elephant babies are taken in, kept in a very wild, um, non, very uh, with less human uh, interference, uh, rehabilitated till they're about five years, and released back to the wild in herds. So the army had been taking elephants from there, and, and no one thought that, this was wrong or, or no one noticed it because it was done so hush-hush. So um, this time, their, um, their last elephant uh, killed the Mahot, who was a, a army soldier. And uh, we got to know about it through a whistleblower. And then we, um, when we inquired the wildlife department, they confirmed that the army had requested for a new baby elephant. And the chosen baby elephant was a wild baby elephant from um, elephant transit home in Udawala. Mm-hmm. So um, there was not enough time for uh, legal action. Of course, we spoke to our lawyers and legal legal proceedings were happening, but we understood that there was not enough time and we needed some immediate action. And so we did some strong campaigning on social media and we also did a lot of calling, like we would ask people that knows the army general or personally or non-personally, whatever. And we got people to call them. And we got even international activists uh, to comment on the army general's uh, Facebook page. A lot of people uh, uh, helped us. And especially we have to mention uh, conservationist Brookshan uh, Jayawardena and Otara Gunawardena, uh, animal rights activist, who is also like a mentor to me. And um, so they also got involved and we all uh, campaigned very hardly, mm-hmm. just for about a week, right? And somehow we were able to melt the army general's heart. And he understood that elephants should be in the wild. And finally, he said that till he is in the army, the army will not be taking an elephant. So um, this happened in 2021. And the happiest moment was not just that. In uh, 2022, for the independence parade, after 74 years, Sri Lanka stopped taking elephants, which was like a great victory. And... Uh, I hope this continues because Sri Lanka is very famous for reversing good decisions. But so far, it has been like a big victory for animal rights uh, advocacy or the biggest victory so far, I think, because we were able to stop a, a, a part of a tradition of 74 years. So, and the, the, the most... Uh, uh, you know, the emotional thing is, although so many hundreds of people fought for this baby elephant, 
no one had even seen the face of the baby elephant because elephant transit home does not uh, name baby elephants they only like give them certain numbers and they don't really um, they never released a picture of this elephant and we all fought for you know for a for a wild elephant baby that no one had even seen so it was um, it was an amazing camp Wow, I really love that. Um, I mean, just not even the fact that people are so, you know, passionate about fighting for this elephant who they cannot see is just amazing. And I, I really like the way that your organization, like emotionally and actively involved the community. I think uh, the calling is a very, you know, creative idea, um, especially when there was, you know, a lack of time for legal action. And it is uh, a great victory for the um uh, elephants are, are not parading uh anymore yeah. so yeah i think that's great progress uh and so those are some of the and speaking of just you know social campaigns that you did another one that's very you know prominent in your in rare's work is um the kandi isala Bar barhera festival and um, so elephants, there's been a history of elephants being abused there. Can you just tell us a bit about the festival and how it utilizes elephants, how rare gone involved? Yes. A parahara is, uh, means procession. So um, Kandi Asala Parahara is the biggest and the longest and the grandest parahara that happens uh, annually. But, but, Smaller paraharas happen throughout the year in Sri Lanka. So this is the number one demand for elephants in Sri Lanka. This is the only reason why the government has allowed keeping elephants. The cultural activities means it's basically paraharas, right? Mm -hmm. So can be has a, uh, so uh, now Lord Buddha's tooth relics is believed to be uh, held in the Kandy temple of the tooth. And um, this this uh, parahara, this procession is done in honor of uh, Lord Buddha, and it has a lot of cultural activities. Um, the, the usage of so many elephants in the parahara is not that old, though. It was uh, this usage of so many elephants was introduced uh, about hundred and fifty years ago, although the parahara was is about is about 2000 years old the usage of so many captive elephants is only about less than 200 years old and um, from what we understand this is a custom that had been uh, adopted from um, from the indian uh, culture mm -hmm. because uh, sri lankan kings intermarried with uh, indian queens when there were not enough royal blooded queens in Sri Lanka they um, normally I think um, these queens came from Hyderabad and so through them the, in, the Indian culture of keeping captive elephants came to Sri Lanka and it, so taking elephants kind of was thought like a honor the history of captive elephants in Sri Lanka is um, basically is on a more military level like uh, kings used elephants as the vehicle to go on wars so um so parahara is a buddhist festival so when we uh, but of course buddhism is against uh, animal cruelty so you know it, it's it's not even logical uh, mm -hmm. lord buddha's main the the fundamental uh, teaching was to be uh, to have universal love or maitri and to practice ahimsa towards all living beings, not just humans or not just not just even big animals, even to the small animals. And Lord Buddha asked monks not to tra travel on animal rides, right, or animal vehicles, but somehow. Um, in honor of Lord Buddha, these um, paraharas are happening with uh, elephants, and uh, so, so the biggest, uh, you know, the challenge or the biggest attack on 
uh, animal rights advocates that speak on behalf of captive elephants is that we are attacking culture hmm. so that's uh you know sort of uh, a hard ground to move on i think even in india we have a lot of festivals in kerala where they utilize mm. elephants and i know that's uh more controversial than you know again zoos or um just elephant rides since it is um going to the cultural religious territory um but yeah. it is interesting how you mentioned there's the intersection of how elephants are used culturally between india and sri lanka um mm. and also the you know unfortunate disparity between um you know what the god being celebrated or whoever being celebrated you know non-violence towards animal and animals and what is actually happening so there is um a bit of irony there and um i saw also that there were um where had some tweets against corporations like uh pizza hut and starbucks and you know hotels because they sponsor these festivals to attract tourists and um yeah. So, I mean, it's just um, sort of um, also a money-making scheme for corporations. So yes. the biggest challenge in Sri Lanka is that almost all or 99% of Sri Lankans think that elephants dance in the Perahara. When I was young, I was told that, oh, that's a dancing elephant, right? Mm -hmm. Uh but thankfully, I was uh, brought up in a household that didn't like chaining animals or caging animals. So my parents didn't really take us to Perahara much. Uh, I remember my father wouldn't take us. So I, I went to see Perahara once or twice with my uncle. So, But then most of the children are brought up uh, with, the, with, the, with the teaching that elephants dance. And to top that, we have um, the Candiasala Perahara uh, is being marketed as a tourist attraction. And it has been a tourist attraction at least prior to, say, prior to social media era, right? But little by little, now the tour, now uh, tourists understand that chaining elephants and uh, parading, parading them through uh, streets like this and captive elephant industry is cruel. So with that, the flow of tourists to Candiasala Perahara is reducing. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, with COVID and um, all the issues in Sri Lanka, the economic crisis and all last three years had seen the least numbers attending the Perahara. But the biggest challenge is because foreign tourists still support or still come and see the Perahara. So, and so which is why corporates try to market it because they want to earn money and they want to sell, uh, they want to sell seats in mm -hmm. their establishments because a seat would go, um, uh, uh, seats are very expensive uh, depending on where they are. And some of hotels, I think, probably thrive on these two weeks and you know, they earn their highest profits during these two weeks. So, um, so these corporates also must now, we want them also to now start thinking because even two years ago, we didn't focus on the corporates much. But now, since last year onwards, we are also concentrating on educate the corp educating the corporates on not supporting um, Perahara because it's not that we are against Perahara. I mean, I'm a, I, I'm a person that loves art and music, dancing and so on. So, I mean, Perahara should continue even for the next 2000 years, but without elephants. And the corporates should also understand that. And they should also start teaching their customers, asking their customers not to uh, patronize um, captive elephant attractions. And, you know, they have to be more responsible when advertising. At least, you know, don't use elephant pictures when they're uh, advertising the Perahara. Because Perahara is not only about elephants, but people have made it about only elephants. So, um, yeah. um, so now I think even elephant riding uh, was being promoted previously by 
hotels in Sri Lanka, but now we are seeing a decline in that. And we hope that, you know, within a few years' time, even uh, promoting the Perahara would reduce. And the Perahara organizers will also understand that tourists will stop coming to see the Perahara if they continue to take elephants. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, firstly, it's great that there are less tourists who are uh, seeing the festival. I think it's, you know, important to remember that everyone growing up, they have different exposure and um, a different uh, exposure and different states of awareness about um, animal cruelty. So it's um, not about, you know, blaming the tourists or saying that, you know, what you're doing is wrong. As you said, it's about just educating them. It's the action that they take after learning that that would matter. And um, I think including corporations in it is um, very important and um, essential as well. And um, just talking about education, you also um, have theater performances, which I thought was very unique of your organization. So you have theaters and shows um, to educate the public about elephants and conservation. Um, I mean, where did this idea come from and how many locations have you performed in so far? Yeah, yeah, actually this is my, I mean, this is my favorite project because I was involved in theater when I was in school. Yeah. I was, uh, I have even taken part in uh, competitions. I was an actor in school. So, um, so I love theater. And then in 2019, we had the Vigil for Elephants. In 2020, January, we wanted to have the Vigil for Elephants. And we wanted to, we wanted people to understand the tragedy of uh, elephant smuggling. So we created a drama on elephant smuggling. It was a bilingual drama. We used English and Sinhalese both. And um, it was created by Suranjika, uh, a speech and drama teacher in Sri Lanka. And some actors were even uh, animal welfareists also acted in it. So that was our um, first drama. It was not a like a street drama, but it was a like a normal stage drama. And then later on, I thought, why not um, take this around the country, and 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 you know get the support of the people uh, towards elephant conservation. And um, so we, we, we do, we have two versions of the drama. One is uh, for the urban areas and the other one is for the human elephant conflict stricken areas uh, because of course, uh, you know, how they relate to the issue, issues are uh, different. And here we have a whole uh, scene where the elephant is talking and uh, the drama starts with a scene where uh, a, a girl uh, doesn't have, from the future, where a grandfather has drawn a picture of the elephant, and the girl has not has never seen an elephant. She doesn't know who that is. So the grandfather explains what an elephant is, and you know, and then he tells the story of what happened to elephants. So the drama touches on human elephant conflict, on deforestation all the issues that the wild elephants face, plus our Perahara issue, our captive elephant issues, elephant smuggling, and, and you know, and we show that the cause, the, the biggest problem for the elephants is also corruption, just like for humans. It's an interesting pro project. I think this is even in, even in the whole world, no one has used this, used drama as a tool. Yeah. Um, in the ninth, yeah, in the 1990s, uh, street drama uh, was popular in Sri Lanka when I was schooling. And uh, so I remembered these things happening, but later on it died off. And uh, I think even this project is reviving that uh, street drama culture as well. So it's good for the art and um, great for the elephants. Yeah, I mean, it's my first time hearing about it. Um, it sounds really engaging. I wish they had it in India, uh, because I would certainly like to see one. Um, and uh, uh, just to check, how many locations have you performed in? Has it uh, just, or like any specific yes. region? We have now, um, we have uh, done in 26 locations now. Wow, okay. Yeah, that's really nice. And, and it's uh, yeah, we are 
yeah, we have uh, we haven't gone to the human elephant conflict stricken areas yet um, because we our biggest challenge was the economic situation of the country and we had fuel issues. So um, we are still um, and you know even the transportation is very expensive in Sri Lanka now. So uh, we are going on a like a it's it's we are going on a budget and uh, so so far we have done in cities only because transportation is easy to these areas. But now, this month onwards, we have started uh, going outstation out of Colombo, and we hope that, uh, you know, um, villagers, but we have done some shows for farmers mm -hmm. uh, that bring uh, vegetables to the cities. So they have seen it. Uh, so we are, we, we are, it's very interesting to see how the farmers and uh, how the villagers that actually face issues from elephants will take the drama. Um, so fingers crossed for that. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's cool uh, that you show it to farmers. I think, um, yeah, I think it's very interesting. I, I was also about to say that it's a good way to attract um, the younger generation as well. So uh, that's really nice. Um, and another one of your programs that I thought was uh, pretty unique was the Mahout program where you recognize exemplary caretakers and just award them. I was just, what is often the relationship you observe between elephants and their caretakers? And more importantly, how can we improve that for the elephants' welfare? Welfare, welfare, yeah. Uh, previously, uh, the gap between Rhea and the Mahouts were very, very uh, wide. Because um, you know we were um, we were we were, I mean we would be exposing things and the mahouts were of course very offended about it and they you know you you remember even recently I was attacked by a mahout right so um, yeah. so but anyway uh, later on we realized that we if we don't treat if we don't keep you know if the mahout is not happy. He would definitely not be able to keep the elephant, be kind to the elephant, because because what we realized was that the elephant owners are very treat the mahouts very badly. Once I, uh, you know, once we 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 met a mahout and uh, I asked him to order whatever food he wanted, but he felt that he should not be ordering the food because. Because he felt less than us, you know, he thought it was not a nice thing. To, it was like a disrespect if he ordered whatever food he wanted and he wanted all of us to order the food for him. So it was shocking for me, like because in with elephant owners, they treat them very in a very uh, less than human way. I think they treat them like uh, probably there is car system involved or uh, it's 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 very sad so so the mahouts are also facing a lot of uh, cruelty from the owners they beat them i've heard of stories where the owners even beat the mahouts so with that type of life you can't expect the mahouts to be kinder to the elephants because obviously when you're under so much of stress and anger and you 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 definitely you automatically will put it out on the elephant right so so then so then what we thought was if we um, recognize the kind of mahouts right in sri lanka there is nothing called positive reinforcement uh, for handling uh, elephants it, it's only negative reinforcement and what they call traditional elephant care in Sri Lanka. I don't know whether, I don't think they're even practicing the real traditional ones or if if what they practice now are the real traditional elephant care techniques, it's, they're really bad. They're like the worst of, uh, worst possible uh, techniques of taking care of elephants. So, so we chose a few mahouts that are interested in learning the key, uh, the key, uh, uh, the indicator for choosing the the mahouts was their interest in learning, not even whether they are 
very good at taking care of the elephants but if they showed interest in learning something that was like given we gave the highest points to that and we found um, some uh, mahouts that were actually kinder and they understood what freedom meant they understood that uh, freedom was necessary for the elephants so we chose uh, five mahouts uh, uh, this program is still we just started it this month um so um, so it's something interesting uh, we hope to expand it to other faces also uh, so let's see how it goes yeah and i think um it, this also connects to you know social justice and as you mentioned it's not it's not only equality for animals but also um for everyone and I like how you connect, your organization connects with people sort of on the other side, you know, the people who are perceived more negatively by animal activists uh, in the community. Like yes. what we realized is, what we realized is we can't take care of the elephants uh, unless we take care of who takes care of the elephants. And um, there is no empowerment. They don't have any power themselves also. Although you see the Mahout abusing the elephant and beating the elephant. Some mahouts um, actually complain to us that their owners are not uh, sending food for the elephant. And when they say that, you know, they can't, just recently one of the mahouts said that, uh, he was sure that the elephant should, that the elephant should not have been taken to a certain uh, Perahara because uh, there were female elephants coming and he was, uh, he was expecting the elephant to come into mass. And if the elephant was taken in Perahara, he was sure that the elephant will uh, break into mass during the Perahara, like during those days. So mm. although that was his, uh, yeah, that was what he he didn't want to take the elephant, the owners have pressurized him to um, take the elephant. So here, so there is no empowerment of Mahouts also. Mahouts can't take their own decisions in taking care of the elephant. So those issues are there as well. So we have to, and then, uh, you know, and then in, in Mahouts, there is a big fear that if if the captive elephant industry in Sri Lanka was to end, they will not have jobs, which is also mm -hmm. like, you know, it's just, um, I mean, just, it's, it's it's just an assumption from there. So, um, uh, yeah, similar to what you were saying about the Mahout empowerment, I'm guessing it's you know similar for the farmers since for human animal conflict, um, I know elephant crop rating is pretty common um, um, around the world. So uh, people often blame the farmers, but we also have to keep in mind that the farmers also have to protect their livelihood. So there are other social pressures that um, they're facing as well. So it's great that uh, through education, I think you said you were doing uh, theater performances for the farmers and um, really empowering the mahouts. You can um, bring more light to both of those uh, perspectives and see how we can create balance between uh, both human and animal needs. And um, yeah, so I think that's um, really important about uh, what your organization is doing and just transitioning into the ending remarks. I wanted to ask, um, you know, this has been a very insightful and fruitful discussion. I love the work that uh, you guys are doing and I'm sure the listeners, they want to help. So how can our listeners help uh, Rare's cause um, any, you know, current campaigns, petitions they can support? Yes, you can um, uh, follow us on um, as Rea Sri Lanka on Facebook and Rea underscore Sri Lanka on Instagram and Twitter. And uh, we have action calls where you can participate, you can sign petitions and you can share our posts. And uh, you could also volunteer with us online. Uh, you can do graphics for us. You can um, design campaigns with us and um, so, you know, whatever way that you can help online, you can help online as well. And we definitely need donations. Um, there is a GoFundMe link uh, on our um, on our social media that you can use to uh, donate from um, foreign countries also, so because uh, you know these donations mean a lot to us. 
um, since our organization, you know, our organization is not hands-on with animals, um, sometimes, you know, um, the work that we do uh, is not uh, very uh, expressively, we can't show them in photographs, right? But then, uh, but then we have our costs like transportation and, you know, going to see elephants and all that. So these are very important. You can donate to our projects as well. Um, so um, we would really appreciate uh, any um, donations and volunteer work that we can get. But the most important is that you follow us on our social media and take our message uh, across to your friends and family and, you know, uh, advocate for the elephants. Yeah, great. And we'll have all the links for the social media um, handles and your website uh, linked in the description. And yeah, thank you so much for coming in. I really appreciate your time. It's been a great discussion. Thank you very much for having me, Nikita. Uh, it's, 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 it's a lovely discussion. Great. Thank you so much. Have a nice day. Bye. Bye.